All right. Well, let me tell you a little story. Should we start the podcast first, or you just, oh, you just tell the story first? I mean, you can cut it and paste it, whatever. Good morning. You're listening to Have You Met John? He's My Dad, where I, Matt, talk to my dad, John. What a coincidence. Hmm. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, not too bad. Did you brush your teeth? I did. I always brush my teeth first thing. Yeah, I some, did the same. I did the same. Some thing. people wait until after they've eaten. I find that to be a puzzling decision. Because mm. then uh, the food kind of tastes like bad breath until you're done. The problem is, if breakfast includes orange juice, then it's over. You know that seemed like a big problem when I was a kid. It's uh, I think it's less of a problem now. Well, I think adults adults think of orange juice differently. It's not a tasty drink that they enjoy. It's a uh, container full of vitamin C. <laughs> you know? Well, when back in the day, uh, oh, by the way, I, I read something somewhere. It said, um, back in my day, we used to do it this way, but I'm still here. So I guess this is still my day. Mm. So, Profound. Yes. Um, uh, back in the day, Orange juice was served in little tiny glasses. So about this tall and about this big around. For reference, was... uh, he's, he's making tiny, uh, tiny gestures with his fingers. <laughs> yes. So little tiny glasses. And, and the idea was that orange juice is sugar, basically. Yeah. And, uh, and so you wouldn't have a big old water glass of orange juice. But... Uh, my generation came along and said, well, if a little bit of orange juice is good, then a whole lot of orange juice is better. And so we had a big old water glass of orange juice and maybe a second one. So uh, let me tell you a story about what happened with your mother just the other day. All right. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prepare myself for disappointment because of your, I'm, there's a certain reaction that I would expect. And I don't think you're probably going to give it, but maybe... Um, so I'm just mentally, um, I don't, I don't like the setup here. Preparing I feel myself. like you're going to, you're going to tell me that mom couldn't go somewhere because they wanted her to wear a mask or something. And, uh, you're going to expect me to go, Oh, that's horrible. I'm renounce my left leaning ways. No. Okay. So your mother and I just, uh, just recovered from COVID. And when she went to, get her COVID test that her company required her to get. Um, the doctor said, you have it. Um, and your mother asked, uh, uh, I'm scheduled for a booster next week. And she said, oh, you should cancel that. You should absolutely not have that booster until at least, I, I don't remember exactly what the words were, maybe three months from now and possibly longer. And that matches what, uh, what our common sense tells us. And so last week, uh, your mother went to her regular doctor and yep. uh, told him what uh, the situation was, just recovered from COVID. And, uh, and he said, okay, you need to get that booster as soon as possible. And her jaw just dropped open and went, oh, what? What did you just say? Um, and 
so it, she went on to say, you know, last time um, I got the, when I got the original vaccine, uh, I got a bloody nose that wouldn't stop. And, uh, and she said, I've never had a bloody nose in my life. And he said, there is no proof that that was caused by the vaccine. Okay, maybe technically correct, but an interesting defensive posture to hold. Yeah, an interesting reaction. Um, and uh, then she said, and meanwhile, I'm struggling with another medical issue, as you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I have these symptoms that are bothering me quite a bit. And, and taking a vaccine... Uh, this particular vaccine, anyway, uh, led to other symptoms that made me feel very bad. And so I'm a little leery about that. And he said, oh, well, the va- you know, if you take this vaccine, then uh, that might help those symptoms. The booster? Yeah. Eh, well, that, I mean... Okay, so I'm, now I'm happy to I'm happy to throw the bullshit flag on that claim because okay. the vaccine ostensibly isn't a uh, therapeutic... For anything. It's yeah. not, you know, we're talking about symptoms that have nothing to do with COVID. We're talking about some other issue. And he says, oh, yeah, but if you get the booster, it might help that. Yeah, the, <laughs> like, the booster the booster well, is actually just a pain reliever. Ooh-wee. Yeah, That's... so all of this, then it makes you wonder, okay, what on earth is going on? Why is this doctor saying these things? So all Payment at, incentives for at, uh, vaccination numbers? At this point, we're looking at, uh, you know, the, the only thing that makes any sense to us is that the employer, the hospital, uh, or the hospital group, or what, you know, they, they shelter medical groups have hospitals and doctor's offices and everything under their umbrella. Um, I'm presuming that they have been told that uh, they must achieve some percentage of patients being fully vaccinated and boosted. Uh, maybe there's a financial incentive. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a stick. It's like, if you don't meet this, then you will have consequences. But um, that is an atrocity. Somebody who's actively pushing for... Okay, now let's just think about what this thing is for. The booster is supposed to prevent you from getting... well. I originally was supposed to prevent you from getting COVID. Yeah. She just recovered from COVID. And in fact, the, the COVID strain presumably was Omicron. And there is no evidence that the booster does anything to prevent you from getting Omicron. So you're going to take a booster shot designed to deal with a disease that you just recovered from. And the Scientific evidence indicates that natural immunity is vastly superior to any immunity you get from a vaccine. So exactly what reason on earth would a person who just recovered from COVID have for taking the booster? So uh, going back to your um, apprehension to my reaction, I think you might be pleasantly surprised because I... I, I we spoke about this last time about how there is no trust in experts, right? And so it's other people trying to control doctors. Um, before your doctor gives you solid advice, the, that advice has to comply with the hospital's business practices. It has to comply with the government what the government wants out of its doctors. It has to comply with um, 
what the insurance company deems is appropriate for patients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's too many strings pulling our doctors, um, and therefore there's there's too many incentives for them to give. If bad not, advice. if not specifically bad advice, not the best advice. Well, it's in my book, it's 100% bad advice. In this case, I would say, yeah, I would say you're probably right about that. And so that is uh, that's a betrayal of their Hippocratic oath that you've you've sold your soul basically in order to keep your job or make more money or whatever to comply. Uh, you are now willing to tell patients things that are. Um, that are patently untrue and hot take. Uh, hot take. This is America, and the Hippocratic Oath doesn't matter. If it makes money, that's what matters. Well, doctors. The doctors Hippocratic getting... Oath is an individual thing. So it, we're talking about on an individual basis. You don't. Companies don't take oaths. Um, governments don't take oaths. People take oaths. So when a doctor sure. takes an oath, I have zero respect for you if you sacrifice that for job security. And so this doctor, as far as I'm concerned, has uh, has uh, invalidated his, himself. I, I wouldn't trust him for anything at this point. If you're willing to sell me out for your business interests, then as a doctor... Uh, that is a sacred trust. You, if you sell me out on that, then you're it's over, done. I'm gonna go ahead and quote Soundgarden here. Uh, the time is gone for honest men. Um, if you decide that you're going to be someone who upholds honor and oaths and all of these things, you'll very quickly be not only without a job but completely unable to work. Well, that's that's where we're headed. Yeah. Um, so it's a cult at this point. And, and you say Who's a cult? the, the whole COVID vaccine thing, that's the, this topic today is vaccine, right? Yeah. Um, at this point, um, it doesn't matter what the, what the scientific evidence is. They will, they will do their best to censor and prevent people from hearing anything that d- deviates from the from the, the company line or the, the government's, you know, whatever the CDC says. And uh, even in the instances where something was said, let's say three months ago, and was deemed misinformation, and they, you know, deplatformed people for saying it. Now, three months later, turns out that was true, right? Um, in a lot of cases, that, that has happened. Cloth masks have now been... Uh, finally thrown under the bus by the CDC. Um, really? When did that happen? Um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. Doesn't take much to look it up. Just look up uh, CDC cloth masks ineffective, and you'll find uh, where they where they say, oh yeah, these are, the weave is too loose, and they're, they're not much good. Um, well, well, I that, guess in that case, it depends on the material. Right. Then you got a burlap mask, of course. Yeah, there's different, there may be different weaves of cloth, but all the cloths are thinner, are, are, you know, bigger stranded than paper. This podcast brought to you by the rubber mask. (laughs) Completely airproof. You will not be having any 
air particles slipping between you and the rubber. Well, that's right. I found the mask. Rubber that mask. You, if you actually wanted to filter stuff out, there there is a mask. It is a rubber mask. It, it looks like. Are you talking about the 3M ones? It looks like, yeah, probably. It looks like what uh, what the jet pilot, you know, the fighter pilots yeah. wear. Yeah. And then it's, it's a, got it's a respirator. It's got it's two big brown mask. filter things, like uh, you know, and you got to replace those filters. So that might actually do some good. So I'm waiting for the paper masks to uh, to also fall by the wayside. They've already kind of tacitly acknowledged the worthlessness of the cloth and the paper because now they're pushing the N95s. And uh, I think I read somewhere that there will be a free N95 available to everyone at some point in the near future. Um, but anyway, the point is, whatever somebody says that you, you can tell what kind of an operation somebody's running by how they behave with it, right? If they, if, if, if the public health officials were actually putting out good, solid information, they would not have to be afraid of articles that they, you know, or, or studies that they disagree with that, that have a, a differing result. They wouldn't have to censor things. I can't think of a way to have proceeded, you know, with the rollout of the vaccine that would cause people to be um, less trusting than the way that they did it. I mean, they did it in such a heavy-handed, authoritarian way that I don't care if they're selling ice cream. It's going to make you look at that ice cream sideways and say, well, I'm not too sure about this. I know I know what you're saying. Um, it's ridiculous. This, this, goes back, this goes back to the expectation of crowd panic that I was talking about when I mentioned Karina, uh, Katrina last week. Uh, the government, almost like anybody in power, almost always assumes if something bad is about to happen, the public is going to panic and everything is going to be set on fire and lots of people are going to die and it's going to be my fault. And so we have to, first and foremost, before doing anything, before addressing the actual problem, we need to control the public. We need to control what they're going to do. We need to, um, instead of offering them a choice... You know, here's here's the vaccine. We think this is a good idea because it'll help prevent that. You need to have the vaccine. Vaccine mandates. You know. Yeah. And no, I and I, I get what you're saying. I do think on. that the. I do think that um, when people say. Uh, there was there was some conservative that made a made a big stink about this. They said uh, Biden and the, the Biden administration is to blame for all of the deaths of unvaccinated persons because with such a heavy-handed approach to pushing out the vaccine, they knew that we weren't going to get it. And yeah. so they, they tried that hard. Yeah, I know. It seems like a really convoluted and weird argument. It's well, obviously laughable. Their heavy-handed but... approach is not beneficial. I mean, and especially with, uh, with black people, with the history that you know, being experimented on without their knowledge or permission. Oh, there's, there's why absolutely. Why on earth would you approach the vaccine rollout and push it on people like that? And especially say, hey, black people, come to the front of the line. We're going we're gonna to let you go first. It's like, okay, because, Ed, thanks yeah. a lot. No thanks, you know? I don't. I don't remember hearing about to what extent that line was being thrown around. Oh, a hundred percent. That was uh, I don't know about the line, but they were they were looking at equity in terms of distribution of uh, 
the vaccine. And they said, okay, well... Uh, who gets the vaccine first? Yeah. Uh, first up, you know, logic might have said, let's, let's vaccinate the most vulnerable people, which are old people. And so you could have just gone 100% to old people because they're the most likely to die from the disease. But they said, no, that doesn't work because there's the white people are overrepresented in the old cohort. And so what we're going to do is we're going to expand that out to be uh, something else. So we're going to take old people and frontline health workers or whatever. And that, that you know, scooped up uh, enough black people to make it more equitable. And, um, and so, but, and they, and they weren't, this wasn't a hidden agenda. They explicitly said, we're going to distribute the vaccine based on principles of equity. And so essentially they're telling black people, we're going to put you towards the front of the line um, because you're black. And, you know, again, based on the history, I mean, how is it not foreseeable that that is going to create suspicion? Vaccine, have it, have, 100%. vaccine hesitancy. It's yeah. like, no, you're not experimenting on me. Um, so that was just one example of this rollout. Now that it's become mandates, it's like you must have the vaccine, must I have believe two you've vaccines, frozen on my you side. must have a booster. There you go. Um, all of that stuff is uh, my internet connection is unstable for some reason. Yeah, yeah, you uh, you froze for a second over there. Um, the idea... Look, we're back. You know that I've never been anti-vaccine. Our whole family has been vaccinated against everything that you're supposed to be vaccinated against. Yep. But I've also never been in favor of forcing people to get vaccinated if they really don't want to. And, yeah, and they've I taken like... this to a whole new level. You cannot work in many cases unless you do what we say. And what they say doesn't make any sense considering what the world data looks like. Israel is among the most vaccinated countries in the world, and it continues to have problems. There's also evidence that these repeated mRNA vaccines are not helpful to our immune system. In fact, they may create uh, more problems than they solve. And again, all of this is to vaccinate against a disease that is largely not a problem for the people to get it. Only if you're elderly or have multiple serious underlying medical conditions is the disease even that big a deal. So now you're going to force people to get it and not just workers. They want to try to. They want force uh, to force children to get it, and young people who are at no risk whatsoever from the disease. And ostensibly, this started out because they wanted to eliminate the vector of passing it along. Right. So we get you vaccinated as a young person, then you can't give it to to a vulnerable person. Right. I was and that say, yeah. turns out to be completely false. The vaccine leaks like a sieve. People that Joe Biden falsely claimed that uh, we were going to see this huge pandemic of the unvaccinated, it's not true. Everybody is getting it, vaccinated or not vaccinated. So your whole premise, your whole reason for mandating these vaccines that we're going to stop people from passing the disease on is false. We, we need to be careful, though, when we're talking about, um, when we're talking about COVID because we have a tendency to think of it as either, either... You get it, and people die, 
or you don't get it at all, right? There's there's I, I don't room think that. For... Right, but I, in the in the language we we often fail to account for um, health disparities between uh, populations that are uh, better vaccinated and populations that are not. Um, there's there's um, there's the have you heard the word long COVID? I have Being heard that bullshit made up thing. Yes. I don't know about bullshit made up thing. I will say that the the definition of long COVID is a little underobserved at the moment because I think they talk about it as somebody who's had it for uh it even like just a week more than the typical infection time. In in any population, if you look at the Gaussian, you know, bell curve distribution of people, you're always going to find oddities, right? It, when they do when they do testing of drugs on people, they have a they have a group of people that they're, you know, uh, some of them get the drug, some of them get uh, placebo, and um, and then a lot of these uh, pills, one of the side effects, you know, is, you know, there's there's a hundred side effects that are common. One of them is uh, may cause uh, men to grow breasts, right? Yeah. Um, I've seen that one. And I talked to a friend of mine who was a doctor years ago and said, yeah, this thing, it might make you grow breasts. And he says, no. In that group of people, if with one person, if it happens to one person, it counts as a side effect, right? In that group right. of people that they tested this on, you had some elderly people with basically no testosterone in their bodies. And so you give them this drug and something weird happened, right? That is not applicable to most of the, the people. The vast majority of the people are going to take the drug. Yeah, it's, it's good to know that that could happen. So it, and it might it fails to account for specific circumstances. Exactly. So in, in any distribution, you're going to have people on the, on the tails of the distribution that will achieve some different result. They may have a problem. Um, and the problem we have is when we focus too much on those on those oddball occurrences. And so as a general rule, long COVID is not a thing. And as a general rule, I've also heard of fluorona. So somebody yeah, that, somebody tested positive for coronavirus and the flu at the, same, the time. At the same time. Well, yeah. boo hoo. Okay, it could happen. Both of those viruses are running around readily available and yeah, it's okay like you got gotta, both it's not like you could it's not like you can only equip one virus at a time <laughs> right yeah. sorry i can't pick up that blaster because i've already got my chain gun right no right, right. so they they made it sound like it's a new frankenstein disease no somebody got unlucky and got both at the same time it's it's all part of the panic porn that everybody's been watching for over two years now I mean, almost all of the almost all of the conversations that I've seen around flu rona have been. This is not a real thing to be worried about. Well, it, it's nice that they get something right every once in a while, but somebody initially ran the panic stories, you know, to try to hype it up, and then and other people I'm, had to I'm, come along and and knock it down. This is America. That, that this is this is something that I'm going to come back to. I'm sure. Um, this is America uh, news is not a uh, 
it's not a it's not a practice that we have to impart relevant information on people. It's an entertainment industry. It is whoever can get the most attention, clickbait, and all of this stuff. And so if they put out Florona is the next thing that's gonna fucking kill us all, everybody clicks on it to to engage with it and say no, that's bullshit. Stop. And it just gets so much engagement that it's an unstoppable machine, right? Well, I don't think anybody thinks. I don't think anybody actually thinks Florona is a real threat. No, that we need to be that one. About. That one didn't have legs. They that one actually got knocked down pretty easily. But there's plenty of other myths that they have perpetrated that have have stayed with us. So, and the ones that cause the most argument go to the top of the go to the top of the page. Go to the top of the headlines. Get the get the best boost on the algorithms. That what you're you're ignoring the political factor. So every news organization except for Fox, it may as well be um, uh, delegates to the you know Democrat National Committee. I mean, they are absolutely 100% doing what they're told. They are issued their talking points, and you can watch the montage of each and every channel on a given day using exactly the same words to say whatever it is they've been told to say that day. So... We do not have a functioning journalistic uh, situation, not just because it's about money, but also because there is an ideology behind that. And uh, they're committed to saying what they've been told to say and hushing up whatever they've been told to hush up. That's happening. And you are a victim of it. You do not get to see a lot of what's happening because they choose not to report it. And if they do talk about it, they talk about it as if it were some kind of a right-wing conspiracy uh, that anybody's talking about it at all. As far as I'm concerned, no matter what the political lean is, they're all just businesses that have... I understand, but you've got... That have statistics first and money first before the actual... But you've got um, six organizations of meaningful news. that are absolutely dedicated to the well-being of the Democratic Party and one that's not. So, to the point, you know, to the extent that uh, people watch what's on broadcast news, which the one that's not is not a broadcast station, the only news you're going to see is from one of the six, or I'm making up numbers, the ones that broadcast would be ABC, NBC, CBS, and regular Fox, not Fox News. So, and PBS, so that would be five. I guess. Anyway. I feel like this is meaningless to somebody who doesn't watch TV. Yeah. And, the, you know, the good news is... That and there's more and more of those people these days. There's less and less TV watching, right? But it's still, it's very siloed. And so the, the silos for leftist propaganda are many and hard to avoid. Because your own phone will promote those things. Uh, Google will promote those things. You have to actively look to find something that's not part of that daily talking point briefing from the DNC. So uh, I think you can. I think you can very easily find yourself on the opposite side of the algorithm. I don't know what you mean. If uh, if you hop on your phone and the thing that keeps you on your phone is Fox News, you're going to be shown a whole lot of. Fox oh, News. I understand. But the basic, the, the, the basic package, what, what my Apple phone shows me is Huffington Post a lot, right? 
it, it shows mm-hmm. the left the left headlines are my headlines and yeah they'll throw in a Fox News headline but uh, most of it is uh, is the DNC talking points Google you know they uh, they prioritize your searches if you search for something that they don't agree with it will actually show you the opposite of what you searched for mm. so um, I've tried it so try to look up something controversial as if you are on the other side and see what the top hits are on Google. All right, I looked up uh, birds aren't real. Birds aren't real? I don't yeah. Why is that controversial? What is, what is that? <laughs> you haven't heard about birds aren't real? No. Um, it's a... a We'll call it a performance art piece that came up. Um, there was there was somebody who went around saying birds aren't real. All the birds went extinct back in the '80s, and they were replaced with government drones or something to that effect. I don't want to misrepresent their. Okay, I get uh, I get the findings. gist of it. That's fine. But uh, okay, so all of the well, uh, most of the things that I'm seeing first are either merch related to birds aren't real. Gen Z conspiracy, Gen Z conspiracy, what if the birds aren't real movement backfires? Are birds actually government-issued drones? And then the truth behind birds aren't real, and then finally we get to birdsaren'treal.com. Okay. Oh, here, while you're there, do another little search. Type in antifa.com. Do you know where that goes? Um, Wait, am I... uh... Am I typing that into my URL bar or my sure. Google search? Either one. D- d- URL bar. Just type in that address. See where it goes. Antifa.com. It's not going anywhere right now. It'll go. All right. Well, we'll give it a unless minute. they've unless they've recently uh, the White House. Yeah, it goes to the White House during the, okay. During the okay. Election. Hold on though. Hold on. What? That is the easiest. That is the easiest trick in the book uh you yeah could, it's anybody a, it's a, anybody could decide to route antifa.com to the white house no, the 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 white house decided to do that they bought that domain and because it's not a real domain antifa is probably an org right um antifa.com is a domain that uh that uh someone in the dnc decided needed to reroute to them. So during the campaign, it, it uh, rerouted to Joe Biden's website, his campaign website, website. And now after he's president, it reroutes to the White House. That was intentional. Fact check. Antifa.com redirects to Joe Biden's website, but Biden campaign was not involved. Hmm. Okay. Well, somebody claims that. I seriously doubt it. Just because somebody calls themselves a fact checker doesn't necessarily mean that they actually deal in facts. Nothing, nothing is true, and everything is false. Also, so okay. So anyway, back to the topic: vaccine. Yes. So vaccines, at this point, shots stick them in your arm. Given the the fact that vaccinated people are coming down with coronavirus. COVID-19. Well, that's what I'm wondering, though. Are they coming down as hard? Because Set that aside for a minute. Let's just say okay. vaccinated people are coming down with coronavirus, particularly Omicron, which the vaccine doesn't seem to uh, to slow down at all. Um, 
and vaccinated people are thus able to transmit the disease on to other people. Uh, now let's take a cohort like young children who have shown essentially no tendency to have a serious case of coronavirus, rare, uh, unless they have some very serious medical underlying medical conditions. Why are we trying to force vaccinate five-year-olds? What's the point? Well, I think the thinking behind it is that we're going to try to protect the old people by making right it, our best attempt at making it hard for the children to give it to them. Except that that is demonstrably false at this point. The vaccine is not stopping people from getting Omicron. And this this is a good example of the the reason I'm not really in favor of any of this is because it it feels a lot to me like the government deciding to act on act on and enforce uh, medical information to the best of their understanding, which is not very good. The government doesn't understand how human bodies work. It doesn't understand anything. Well, and, and there's so, no doubt there are doctors working for the government that do. The problem is um, they are not uninfluenced by the political situation. The CDC several times has made statements early on in the Biden administration. Rochelle Walensky said things that she later had to take back because the politicians got in her face and said, not okay. You go undo that, right? So the what kind of things were being said? I don't remember now. She just she let something out of the bag that they didn't want out of the bag. They she mm. put it in a in a way, you know, said something nuanced or whatever that they didn't like. It didn't match the narrative. So the whatever medical doctors are working for the government, they are most definitely under the thumb of non medical doctors who have a political agenda you know, something they want to accomplish. And if the science doesn't match the agenda, then we're going to change the science. That's, that's the bottom mm -hmm. line. The, you're also putting all your eggs in one basket. So let's say you have one group of scientists who have a, one opinion. Well, there's most definitely other scientists that have different opinions. And you're going to take the, uh, the, the freedom to choose away from individuals based on who they trust. And this this is uh, this is another reason, another acceptable reason I think for vaccine hesitancy is that this vaccine in particular was rolled out record speed, faster than faster than we even thought it was possible. Yeah. It blew right through FDA regulations and all of these things. Emergency um, use authorization. It was uh, it was amazing that they were able to produce something that seemed to be worthwhile early on, um, yeah. so quickly and. And, and so, whereas historically we would have just had to deal with and go through this kind of a disease, uh, now we have this expectation that if we just put enough money and effort into something, we can have a cure for it immediately. And that, and that's a, that is that there may be instances where that uh, uh, could be useful, you know, where we could do use our remarkable abilities uh, technologically to defeat something that otherwise would have been a real problem for a long time. This isn't one of them because the, the coronavirus, the, the common cold being an example of a coronavirus, mutates so frequently 
and quickly, you and quickly. you cannot you cannot vaccinate against it. By the time you've vaccinated, not against in a meaningful it, or lasting. That's way, right. Yeah. And so there there are elements that would like to keep us boosting with the latest booster every six months forever. That is a huge moneymaker for them. So uh, on the on the other hand, you know the people whose thoughts are being suppressed. Uh, the scientists whose thoughts are being suppressed are indicating that this is not good for your did immune I, system. Did I hear you suggest that we should perhaps be taking the money-making capability of life-saving technologies out of the equation? No. What you heard me suggest is that we should absolutely take the money-making capability away from the political leaders. They should mm. not. They or their families should not be able to profit from uh, governmental activities. You would find a whole lot of agreement from the left on that particular statement. There's a lot of calls that... It is uh, starting. Senators and public figures should be making the minimum... uh, minimum wage or the the average salary of their constituency. Okay, well, I completely disagree with that. So there's a reason why you pay people a ton of money. Right, you pay people it's a ton so they of money. Don't, they don't lean towards corruption. Well, right? th- that's a side effect. The the reason you pay people a ton of money is to get good people, right? So the question sure. under the current system, why would somebody spend tens of millions of dollars to get a job that pays two hundred thousand dollars, right? And Wouldn't and the, the only unless there was some kind of leveraging that they could do for their own. The benefit. only good answer to that question is. Um, they are a rich person that whose idealism outweighs their desire to make money. Okay. Right. I'm sure there have been one or two of those in the history of the United States, right? Maybe more than one or two, but it's gotta be unusual. And so now recently the question has become, how did Nancy Pelosi get so rich? She's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, nobody really wants to answer that. By never getting caught at insider trading. Well, you know, insider trading isn't even against the law for them. If, if it were, they caught a bunch of people. Just the most recent instance was uh, right prior to the government's COVID announcement to begin with. Uh, they caught a bunch of people doing it. Nobody's being prosecuted. So I don't think it was against the law. So here's my proposal. My proposal is you pay... Uh, representatives and senators and the president, the vice president, and all these people, you pay them um, something that represents their status, their their position in society. Something that, you know, if you pay a CEO of a company $120 million, right, why are they getting that money? Now, you could argue they shouldn't be, right? But clearly they should make a lot, right? That's the, the point is, it's very important who is in charge and who's making the decisions. And we want to get the best person we can get. Consequently, we want to pay them a lot of money. We, we have to pay according to the market in order to attract the person that we need to lead this organization. Right? Right. Well, in government, we're not doing that at all. We're paying people way under market for what they, you know, for what we are expecting them to do. And um, the reason that they're okay with it is because they can get a whole bunch of phony book deals um, and other 
corrupt activities, other, sources of, other sources of income that make them wealthy beyond their wildest dreams. Now, it won't necessarily be them. A lot of times it'll be a husband or a wife who makes brilliant business decisions based on inside confidential or top secret information. They get to know things and then they act accordingly. Or they wind up uh, getting government contracts thrown their way. So you look at every wind farm around and look at who owns them, right? And I guarantee you that uh, you're going to find a lot of politically connected insiders that own wind farms. And so when the government mandates, like the state of Missouri did, that a certain percentage of our um, energy, electricity, needs to be supplied by renewable sources, then what you're doing is you're paying off these politically connected people. Now, we can argue about whether it was a good idea to require a certain percentage of our electrical needs to come from renewable sources, but I don't think there's any argument that it shouldn't feather the nest of politically connected individuals. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So... The problem is... Is it is it even possible to unwind that kind of relationship, though, at this point? Well... Is the nest so squarely secured that you can't, uh, you can't dismantle there's it? There's always something you can do, okay? There's, it's never time to give up. Giving up is not a productive thing to do, okay? No, absolutely so, not. So, to start with, you could pay, let's say, uh, representatives in the federal Congress, you could pay them a million dollars a year. You could pay senators $3 million a year. You could pay the president $10 million a year. And that would be it, right? You don't get to make any other money. Now, you may, you may own things already. And in the case of the president, that goes into some kind of a blind trust where, where you don't get to you know, communicate with, influence what they put it in or, or whatever. You know, there, there needs to be something to prevent people from capitalizing on their position and their inside information. But number one thing would be take away the need, make them rich, pay them a salary. Mm-hmm. The, the money's nothing. You know, paying $435 million for, you know, salary to the House of Representatives, that is not a big budgetary... Inconsequential compared to the actual budget. Yeah, and it, it's, uh, it's way less than they would steal, you know, or corruptly obtain anyway. So yeah, uh, the idea that uh, Hunter Biden has been selling um, his artworks for you know six-figure sums uh, to anonymous buyers—they were not allowed to know who bought them, right? Um, is there anything that could be so patently, obviously a payoff? There's a history. You probably don't know much about it, but the the Bidens have been uh, engaging in corrupt activities with other countries, including Ukraine and China. Um, And now they they can't be so overt about it as they were before because it's kind of on the public's radar, but it's perfectly fine for Hunter Biden to sell. A brand new artist. He just started becoming an artist. Now he's selling paintings, and they're selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, what you're what you're also doing right now is kind of pointing out the trouble with trying to decrease corruption by increasing the amount that people are being paid. They'll always find a way to make more money if if it's their family members that are making more money, if it's uh, somebody that they've entrusted with holding their money until the 
until they are able to have other sources of income again. I, I understand. It's not, it's not easy. But um, what we need to go to is a standard that says not just actual impropriety, but the appearance of impropriety is even forbidden. So that sounds that sounds like a big sword. That sounds like a weapon that can be used against political. Well, opponents. and it somehow we need to find a way. We had a way before. We had bipartisan, serious people that looked at ethics complaints and so forth, and uh, and they did not. That was not a you know a public circus, and it wasn't uh, overtly partisan. When was this? Well, prior to the last ten years, always. And what happened to them? Well, as we get more and more ridiculous with our partisanship, it uh, it becomes partisan. The you know the administration of the House of Representatives has become one hundred percent partisan. The January sixth committee, one hundred percent partisan. Everything you know they in the course of doing what they're doing, they're actually breaking the law. People lie to Congress. They do it a lot. Some people get prosecuted. Some people, they send a, a SWAT team, an armed uh, FBI agents Escorts. To, uh, to somebody's house at 5 o'clock in the morning. And, oh, this is Roger Stone, by the way. Uh, they send this armed team to go pick him up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And, by the way, they call CNN and tell them that they're doing it so CNN can be across the street filming it. So uh, this is intimidation tactics saying you you say things we don't like and this is what we're going to do to you meanwhile every person that they go after like that it costs them millions of dollars to defend themselves regardless of whether they've done anything so it doesn't matter all you just being accused is going to ruin your life so yeah i mean you're not really that this is this does nothing to reinforce my uh belief in anything being fair proper well, or just. it takes effort i mean you can't uh it doesn't just happen on its own you have to find people of goodwill that are uh, honest and can have a conversation without calling the other person names so that's pretty unusual well, well yeah but i mean uh a lot of the things that we're talking about police forces and legislation and um any any political entity that holds power all of these things uh what we we want people with goodwill and all these things that are trying to do the best job that they're, you know, hired to do. Um, but these conversations almost always lead me to a place where it's like, well, it's, it's almost like you can't, there's nothing you can do to get a firefighter as a, a basic example, who's there to fight fires. There's almost nothing you can do to get a, a firefighter who isn't, uh, starting fires to increase their income isn't um, isn't actively av avoiding flammable areas that refuse to pay their racketeering fees. Not to come after the f the firefighters specifically, but you know what I'm talking about. Where there's no there's no way to put a good person in a role. Well, the way that you that we've done that is. Uh historically is a combination of factors. Number one, we have law enforcement. We have an FBI that actually is trustworthy and is not partisan. We do not have that right now. The FBI needs to be completely gutted of leadership and kind of respond. Um, well, how do you, how do you get one and how do you keep one? 
That's what well, I'm, that's what I'm asking. We we always kept one before. What it's going to take is both parties wanting that. They're going to you're going to have to have both parties wanting an independent, nonpartisan federal law enforcement agency. We've had that before. The FBI was respected by all sides, right up until what twenty sixteen ish. That's when we started to to see that it wasn't uh, on the up and up. And um, somehow I feel like it's not the case. It, nothing's perfect, okay? I'm not saying they were perfect before, but there was no hint that they were actively pursuing an agenda other than making themselves look good, right? They always, the FBI was always really keen on their image. But um, prior to the... Hillary Clinton email server incident, I was unaware that the FBI had become a complete um, agenda-driven organization, at least at the top end. I was blissfully ignorant that that had happened. Um, now, they are, they are picking winners and losers. When uh, Biden's president, they are following orders to a T. When Trump's president, they're working to undermining at every opportunity. So that isn't that should not be. Nixon, one of the worst well, things I, I certainly agree with one that. One of the worst but... things that Nixon did was trying to have his enemies list of uh, people and trying to sick the FBI on them. Okay, yes, it happened before, but it was appalling and he got impeached for it. Um, yeah. or let's see. Where did that go? He didn't get convicted. I'm trying to think did he actually get him didn't he I think he got impeached first? and then he resigned. Um, uh, prior to that, definitely J. Edgar Hoover was uh, was playing games, and that was he had so much power, but he was afraid to cross him. You see, that's that's but, what I was thinking. So it's of. always it's always going to be with you. But the other half of our uh, of our protection is journalists, and that's the other thing we're also missing right now investigative journalism that actually cares about facts, that actually cares about what's happening, rather than how it affects their political position. So the journalists today would not choose to um, reveal uh, corrupt behavior if it was benefiting them, because they're partisans. The journalists have abandoned any, any idea that they're impartial observers of things that just report what happened, separating commentary where they share their own opinions. It's all partisan all the time now. And um, what was the other thing I was going to say? I've forgotten. Anyway, it's a problem. So the, the, the approach we had before, despite the faults, yes, it, it was imperfect, but the public ultimately enforced things because they were outraged by unacceptable behavior. Oh, and right. an, another instance is the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court, ideally, it, doesn't, it wouldn't matter what the political persuasion of the person on the Supreme Court would be because they are looking at the words of the Constitution, which is, that's a, that's a rock, okay? That's the thing that prevents, you know, the, the number one job of the Constitution is to uh, protect everyone from the tyranny of the majority. Okay, the majority can can fly into a frenzy at any given moment. When 
when the Twin Towers went down on 9-11, that was a perfect example of a frenzy of hysteria, you know, that people would, would want to throw away the Constitution and do what needs to be done right now, right? Right. Um, COVID is another time. Throw away the Constitution and do what needs to be done right now. Um, and ideally, you've got justices of whatever stripe that would say, you know what, my personal opinion is I support A, you know, whatever whatever the thing is. However, the words, um, the traditions, the original intent, and the laws and the precedent, they say that I'm ruling the other way. Now that is to be respected. You say, you know what, if you want to change this, you need to change the law or he needs to change the Constitution. Right. Instead, a, they, they're more involved in the process. Instead, what we've had since, well, the one that I'm aware of, 1973, Roe versus Wade, uh, it doesn't matter to me what your position is on abortion, okay? The decision was not founded on anything in the Constitution. The decision was made based on what the justices wanted the decision to be. That is a tyranny of a different nature. You have lifetime-appointed unelected Supreme Court justices who are supposed to be interpreting the laws, just reading what's there and saying, here's what it is. Instead, they created it. They, they created law. They created new rights. So instead of answering the question, is a, an unborn child a human being that's entitled to constitutional protection? Of course, they couldn't answer that because the Constitution doesn't say. Um, they just decided, nope. Until it's born, a child has no constitutional protections. They should have said that um, the Constitution is silent on what constitutes a human that is entitled to constitutional protection. If you wish to have the Constitution say, this is when a human is a human, then you must amend the Constitution. That's it. They, they just bypassed the process and made a decision that they were not any more qualified to make than you are. Or I. So the Constitution necessarily serves to slow down the process of um, um, changing... It absolutely does. Legislation. Human yeah. hysteria, you know, it flares up and then dies out. You know, people in a, in a rush, the, the House of Representatives, God only knows what they'll pass because they are most directly in touch with the people. They're elected every two years, and they might vote for the stupidest crap uh, because it's the hot topic of the day. Now, you know, a couple years later, you look back and say, oh, that was stupid. That's what the Senate's for, right? The Senate, apportioned differently, two per state, also elected once every six years, so they're not quite as... Uh, as uh, tethered, reliant on public, opinion. not quite as tethered to whatever the polls say today, um, and then even more removed, you've got a Supreme Court that lifetime appointment. They should be completely insulated from political pressure. Um, you know, it's it's not working quite the way we want it to. It, it it's still working ish, but you've got people actively well, trying to undermine it. Um, yeah. Uh so I'm I'm hearing that um, the if there's a large group of people if there's a majority of people that grow sick sicker and sicker over time of not having their way, for example, 
of not having things change for the better, what they think is mm-hmm. better, uh, quickly then the the need for speed if you will would cause them to dismantle these um these institutions that slow down the process of change well that's what we're looking at right now people wanting to and that that. would become necessarily dangerous because as soon as you as soon as you don't have that inherent slowness to the process of changing things then any wielder that picks up that sword is able to do an immense amount of damage is that what you're saying absolutely and that that's happened before, mm. you know, it, and it's going to happen again. Um, Hitler picked up the reins. Yeah. The, they the, gave him a, a whole bunch of power and he the took socialist it, governments took it that preceded as far as it could the go. Socialist governments that preceded Hitler assembled a ton of power centralized in the federal government. And then Hitler got the elected and there they were. He was able to, you've, uh, you've heard of Agricola. I have not. So this is a this is a a very old legend, a Roman Roman guy. Um, government is necessarily slow for the reasons that we've been talking about, and um, every every once in a while, a government encounters a crisis. We're going to be destroyed if we don't crush this enemy real fucking mm-hmm. quick, right? So, legendarily, Agricola was given the power, and Agricola means farmer. So some some farmer guy. Um, was just minding his own business and then the government was like, hey, you're the only one that can squash this whole rebellion. We're going to give you all the power that you can possibly have. And what he did with it was he picked it up, he went over and he squashed the enemy, and then instead of keeping that power and using it to rule everything, uh, he gave it back. So a George Washington character. George Washington, The legend of George Washington was largely modeled after this Agricola. Same with Julius Caesar, right up until he. Did <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> um, but now, wait a minute. So, the legend yeah. of George Washington. I mean, I'm talking about what he actually did. So he served as yeah. president, and then he declined to to continue to serve as president. He and he it did was, that. It was it was compared back to Agricola. Oh, absolutely, because it's just, because everybody with everybody with classical um, classical literature training. Would have recognized that, which legend. which was almost all of them, the the movers yeah. and shakers of the time. Um, yeah, and so it, it solidified it solidified George Washington as a, a legendary character. And you know the reason that it's a story that we still talk about is because it's so unusual. And it's what we it's what we want people to do. And so anytime somebody goes against that, of course we we make a big stink of it. Yeah, that. it's it's the um, ideal. The incentive is not there for somebody to be like that, except that they will be looked on favorably by history. Well, it's it's your own personal character. That's what you know. That's what drives it. And an outstanding character like that is is rare. So yeah. Well, anyway, so let me ask you this. Let's say I'm president, and I'm telling you today, I'm making an announcement saying I'm going to nominate a black woman to be the next Supreme Court Justice of the United States. How do you feel about that announcement? Wait, wait, who? Who are you that you're announcing? President. Okay. I'm going to nominate a black woman to be the next Supreme Court Associate Justice. Have you picked somebody? It doesn't matter. I'm just telling you. That's who it's going to be. What do you think about that announcement? That's fine. No. 
It's not fine. That is an atrocious announcement. What you're doing is you are guaranteeing that the public, neither the public nor the nominee themselves, will ever uh, have reason to believe that they were the best choice available for that spot. Now, hold on. This is why I asked. This is why I asked if you had picked somebody in particular, because if you're just saying, I'm going to draw a black woman out of a hat, then yeah, absolutely. No, that's a, that's a it doesn't, stupid thing. It doesn't do. matter. The hat is the qualified you know, people that are available that are black women. Now, by definition... Okay, I so th- this is why I'm this is where I'm confused. If the president announced that they were picking somebody that was a black woman, I'd be like, great, bees knees. Oh, he really announced. I have today I nominated Jane Doe to be the next associate Supreme Court justice. That's not what I said. I said, and what Biden said, he said, I'm going to pick a black woman. So he hasn't selected somebody yet, and he's just going to pick a type of yes. person. Yeah, that's not great. No, that is appalling. And even if, you know, just the optics of it, you know, just for the sake of of the, the nominee's self-esteem and the public's confidence in the nominee, you should say, I'm going to pick the most qualified person I can find. And then, secretly, in your heart of hearts, you've decided I'm going to nominate a black woman. Nobody else needs to know that, right? You just do it. By announcing it, what you've said is, it's extremely unlikely that your nominee is going to be the best qualified person that was available, right? You've got an entire range of people, a huge pile of, I don't know how many, how many would be qualified, a huge pile, maybe, let's say hundreds, thousands of people who mm-hmm. potentially could be the nominee. And uh, if, you, if you then automatically, before you even begin, say, instead of looking at this entire distribution, I'm going to look at this narrow slice of the available choices, um, you have almost guaranteed that you've not chosen the best person. And you've conveyed that information to the public and said, this person is checking a box. And you've conveyed the, the, the information to the nominee themselves. And told them, you know what, I, uh, I didn't. I really wanted to have a black woman, and I didn't think you'd be the most qualified. So I decided to narrow the field down so that you could win. So that is terrible. Not that it's not common. You know, people check boxes all the time, but you don't need to tell everybody. Sure. Uh, if you want to say he said the quiet part out loud, he, that's, that's absolutely He said the true. quiet part out loud. Um, he didn't. He didn't whisper it. I mean, it's being trumpeted as if it's my, a good thing. Sure, and to the thing is, to a lot of people, it is a good thing. The um, what I would say is, you know, Joe Biden, like all other politicians, is a politician. Is therefore by default a slimy weasel person that can't be trusted to do anything <laughs> the best it can possibly be done. Um, the um, the purpose of nominating somebody to a position for a politician is not to f- put the best person for the job in that position. It's to uh, it's to further their agenda, increase the political standing. For, yeah, further your agenda. All of these things. Um, there's the the way we've set up our system. There's 
and I, I don't know that you could actually put a system forward where putting the best person for the job in any given role is the best, is like the, the natural incentive, the natural outcome. But every time you make a decision as a politician like that, there's people, there's people that you'll make happy and people that you'll make sad and angry and all of these things. And you just got to pick which ones you think will be the best for you, right? No doubt. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Pollyanna. I mean, I understand the, the real reality of uh, the situation, but just on its face, the, the concept that a lot of people in this country now think it is perfectly reasonable to announce ahead of time, like you did with vice president, I'm going to choose a person for this job based on these external characteristics. Some, not about their mind, not about their ideas, not about how smart they are, but about what color they are or what uh, sex they are. That is, that's terrible. And it's not good for anyone. It's not good for public confidence in that person. And it's not good for the, the person themselves. Because you are now in a position where you, you have considerable doubt as to whether you were the person that was best qualified to have it. That's not what we want in a competitive procedure where you do a search for a candidate for any job. You, know? you don't start off mm -hmm. saying, we're going to, to uh, choose a left-handed Nicaraguan ski jumper to be our transportation secretary. That's ridiculous. So you get somebody in there, they may be the best left-handed Nicaraguan ski jumper in the world, but uh, there's, there's strong reason to believe they weren't the best candidate for the job. And you've just told them, hey, you weren't, you weren't really our first choice in terms of qualifications, but because you're a left-handed Nicaraguan ski jumper, uh, we've put you in. Congratulations and enjoy your low self-esteem that comes from, from not being selected on merit. So so Biden picks based on identity politics. That suits him and his constituency. Um, did Trump not pick his buddies, his friends? Does Trump have any friends? Uh, he has people that like it when he makes them money. Okay. Well, anyway, he picked people based on their thoughts. Their ideas. You think Betsy, Betsy DeVos was picked based on being a good education secretary? Sure. Okay, we can we can talk about that. Okay. No, anybody. Um, it, Trump wasn't committed to the uh, the hiring someone based on what they look like. Sure. I don't. I wouldn't accuse him of trying to play identity politics with his decisions, and I think that is something that Biden is absolutely doing. I think that makes a lot of people happy, though. I know a lot of people happy that he wants to and make it's, happy. It's that's what politicians do. They just they try I to understand. Make people happy. I'm just saying it's very very sad that people think that's a good idea. I'm not saying that. You I think should... the I think the the counter argument would have would be that there are. Endless oceans of people that are perfectly qualified for any given job, and it's a shame that that job is um, has historically gone to one group of people for most. Of I those completely jobs. understand, but there's no excuse that, for announcing. Choosing, here's what I'm gonna pick. Here's the kind of person I'm gonna pick for the job. That's not that doesn't involve their picking the best person. 
You don't need to tell everybody, I'm going to go out of my way to choose this kind of person ahead of time. You just do it. You say, we're going to find the best qualified person. Lo and behold, it turns out to be a black woman. That would be fine. Okay, so you're you're not criticizing his decision or his decision making process. You're you're criticizing his uh, um, his tact and his speech delivery. Well, just that him and everybody else who thinks it's a good idea and is happy that he announced that he's going to do this. That is an atrocity. You should not you should not hire someone for any other reason that they are the best qualified for the job. And so if you're going to do this box checking, you should keep it to yourself because you've just, you've undermined this person. You have created in the public uh, a sneaking suspicion. You know what? She's probably not as good as some other people would have been, but, uh, but she got the job because she's black and female. That's terrible. Why would you do that to, to the person that you're, that you're nominating? And why do so many people think that's a great idea? Because it's not. Now, it's... I, I think you're putting a lot of import in the, the way we deliver... I absolutely am. Whatever I mean, That's the low-hanging fruit. Now, we could move on to whether it's a good idea to actually place people in jobs based on how they look. I don't think it is. I think it's illegal, actually. Now, should we do outreach and do our best to seek out qualified people from these diverse backgrounds? Absolutely. That is that is something that everybody's behind. You say, you know, this this field has been historically bereft of a certain kind of person and uh, it it would be a social good to broaden that that base and bring in qualified people for it. But we're not really worried about the, that. The trouble. We're just counting heads. The trouble the the problem with selling um with selling we need to be better right now and we need to go with our destination equity right now that we need to hire the best candidate and that best candidate has an equal chance of being any number of these groups of people um is that doing it that way in a lot of cases would look like nothing had changed at all if the best candidate happened to be a straight white guy. No, I understand. And, and, and people are very impatient with that being the outcome over and over again for so I long. understand that. So you are, you know, practical politicians are going to uh, secretly choose the best black candidate or the best female candidate or whatever and just not tell everybody about it. Right. That's better than what he did. And he and it's not this is not I, a, nobody's accusing nobody's accusing Biden of being a good politician. Well, it's Biden's not running the show anyway. It's his people. And they this is intentional. This is not they didn't give any thought to to not saying that. They trumpeted it. Yeah, let's right now let's get the clicks. You know, let's get the let's get the boost because we're floundering. We're gonna Because Democratic uh the Democratic party operates on engagement right now. Okay, I don't know exactly what that means, but uh... Uh, they're they're working on a a misunderstood version of optics. They uh, they're looking at their constituency and they're saying we, they want to see more black people in government. 
Let's give them black people. Yeah. Like directly, like just, just, uh, just forcing, forcing the push for diversity. Yeah. They're doing it, and it's it's not uh, it's not helpful. It's uh, well, and if you put unqualified people in positions where they flounder and fail, you're not doing them any favors, and you're not doing the whatever group they represent any favors either. If you're, it, it, to me, it would seem, if you're trying to to change this long-term trend, that you would want to put the most exemplary people in from this, this or that group, or in. Uh, to your argument, you would want to at least say that's what you're doing, well, and then that, do whatever. Well, that goes you want. without saying. Actually, yeah, you, you definitely say you're doing that. But even once you you're getting down to the choice, you want to put in the most exemplary people to be. Hey, look, everybody, you know, here is you know a change we've made. We've got Jackie Robinson here, a fantastic baseball player. That's what you do to change the course of history. Is you put awesome people in. And everybody goes, hey, that person's awesome. And uh, the uh, President Reagan did that with Colin Powell. George H.W. Bush did that with Condoleezza Rice. These are awesome people. And, and the problem is that the left doesn't want to celebrate them. Clarence Thomas is my favorite Supreme Court justice. He's awesome. He doesn't get any, any love either. Because it's not it's not about the skin color to them. It's not about the successes of historically disadvantaged minority groups. It's about their political agenda, which is leftism. So if you're not a leftist, then being black is no defense. They'll tell you, you ain't black. Joe Biden explicitly said that. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. How, how uh, offensive. That. That's, uh, that's a big, big cringe for me, dog. <sighs> Um, uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen that sentiment thrown around that if, um, if there's a conservative leaning person of a minority community, um, they will often be ostracized by the rest of the community. And I find that to be, um, shameful. I find it to be, uh, I find it to be difficult to have an honest conversation and it's, it, um, it keeps the huge divide between left-leaning and right-leaning Americans. Well, but, and Americans that just want to make decisions based on what they think is right at the time. Right. And that... Yeah. I don't think anybody takes more flack than um, uh, centrists, if you will. Oh, well, the people that take the most flack... And moderates. If you are a female, black, conservative, um, you're basically the devil. If you're a male, black, conservative, you're devilish, devil adjacent, uh, because those get put the lie to the idea that all blacks vote for Democrats and must. Yeah. And if if that if that gets undermined, the Democratic Party's toast as it is right now. If they didn't get, you know, 80, 90 percent of the black vote, they'd be out of jobs. And so they and this, use fear this, every uh, cycle, they use fear to try to keep the blacks voting for them. And this this is uh, this is why I find it's a shame how Kanye has been Kanye West has been treated in the media. Um, you can you can say what you want about 
what he believes or what he says. But when he started to say that he was pro-Trump, that when he started to say that he had more conservative ideas, um, people immediately jumped on. He's crazy. He's crazy. He can't be trusted. He's an idiot. He's, he's that's what I'm trying to he's say. All of these things. That, that, yeah, they will do that I, to any any black conservative. Any black conservative that uh, starts to make any kind of inroads, be significant. And for the group that the group that complains that mental health is often used as a means for disqualifying somebody right. from they, they, you would th- uh, if they had any principles by doing that they're they would be abandoning their principles right. Yeah, but yeah. fortunately, they, un, unfortunately, and, they and, actually don't have any principles. Well, that's that's the the whole thing. I feel, I think um, I think left leaning individuals tend to get cynical really quick and um, are re- ready to adopt the idea of if um, historically my enemy has fought dirty, I have to fight dirty. I have to do whatever it takes to get my way no matter the no matter the long-term cost no matter um how it undermines my position eventually yeah well that's 100 percent with you on that the whole idea of uh ramming through things through the supreme court uh by ignoring the constitution you know that that gets you what you want today but if you when you undermine the constitution making meaningless Eventually, you're going to be on the other side of that because without the Constitution, the the tyrants at the federal level can do anything to you that they want. And, you know, today's flavor of the month is not going to be the flavor of the month five years from now or 20 years from now. Without the Constitution, you're at their mercy. And that and that's right. that's what happens. That's what Roe versus Wade did. It undermined the Constitution. Forgetting about it. I don't care which side of it you're on. Uh, it was bad constitutional law. Everybody knows that. At least the legal scholars know that. Um, it's so. So really, the 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 problem that you have with Roe versus Wade is the how we got there. Procedurally, yeah. I, my my opinion yeah. on the subject doesn't even have to enter into it until we're actually having that debate. Right now, we're having a constitutional, you know, issue, and it's you know it's coming up. It's it's being dealt with. You know, it's. Uh, Timely, if you will, it's news. Um, procedurally, it was awful. You know, basically, the Supreme Court telegraphed to everyone, you know, we can do, we can decide anything we want, and we're not going to be bound by what the Constitution says. So, good luck. You know, if you're the next, uh, the ne- on the wrong side of the next hysteria, um, the Constitution won't be there for you. If we're not careful, and and the thing that take it back a step, lawmakers propose laws that they know damn good and well are unconstitutional, right? They do it all the time, sure. And they'll even say, "Yeah, I know this. The the Supreme Court will overturn it, but we'll have it until then." You know, kind of attitude. Um, that happened with the the federal vaccine mandate uh, run through OSHA, right? They knew it was unconstitutional when they did it. They did it anyway. So to my mind, uh, well-intentioned individuals would never pass a law that they knew to be unconstitutional. Now, you could pass something that you think is okay and the Supreme Court disagrees later. Fine, of course. 
But if something you know damn good and well is not constitutional and then just force it to go through the, you know, take the year or two that it takes to get on an expedited basis, that it takes to get to the mm. Supreme Court, uh, that's not okay. You see what I'm saying? You, you, I do. you got to recognize here is what it is. And if you want to make changes, you've got to do them in the way that they need to be done. Some things would require a constitutional amendment. Very difficult to get, but that's what it takes. So it's not, you know, it, the, the left solution is to, to nominate judges, justices that will ignore the Constitution and they will just make up the rules as they go along. That is very satisfying for the instant gratification crowd, but it's very, very dangerous for you and your children and your grandchildren because once that constitution's broken, you ain't getting it back. Yeah, I I mean, there's scores of leftists, I'm sure, that would agree that the, the Republican Party is trying to do the exact same thing. Uh, well, they it, and it's generally not. It's generally not. Uh, <clears throat> there's no incentive for playing an honorable game with politics. Well, for the very few people that we wind up feeling are legal scholars enough to serve on the Supreme Court, historically we have been able to muddle through and have those people generally um, do the job. The the Republicans. Mm -hmm. By every intention, uh, conservative Republicans want to nominate justices that just interpret the law and the Constitution as they sit. They don't make up their own ideas. And they will vote against their own desired outcome because the Constitution and the law say it. The left, mm. by, by definition, they could not achieve their agenda as quickly as they wanted to through the normal legislative process, and they actively sought out Supreme Court justices that would make it happen. That's a, that is counter to the interests of everyone, because you don't know. I think as, as, people, as people grow less patient over time, this is, this is only going to be a harder fight that you're yeah. proposing here. And here's the problem. Um, we have limited resources. We have limited time and attention and resources. And um, so you have to prioritize. You have to have priorities for what you're going to do. And uh, do you know what's a priority if everything's a priority? Nothing. Nothing. That's where leftism is today. Rather than, a, than deal with um, um, socioeconomic challenges and people in poverty and, you know, whatever, they want to deal with everything at the same time. Even, let's even say the good, the well-intentioned leftists. The, the leftism that we're seeing out of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party today is, you may as well be uh, in the, may as it's well nothing. be in the it's, Politburo. It's, uh, it's, it's garbage. Uh, it's Soviet, you know, dis disinformation and Pravda. Uh, but well-intentioned liberals, and I, I kind of wistfully look back when there were a lot more well-intentioned liberals, uh, they actually care about people and about helping people. And uh, in that situation, you have to set priorities. 
and you can't lose sight of your basic functions as priorities. You know, you got to defend your country. Um, you've got to regulate interstate commerce, things that the Constitution explicitly says the federal government has to do. The, the federal government has also committed itself to a, a bunch of uh, entitlements, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Um, and so the, the, the window that's left, the amount of attention and resources that are available for new things is relatively small. And so you've got to decide what is my top priority. If you want to achieve anything, you focus on that. But instead, we want everything right now. We want we want cars that get 100 miles per gallon. So, we want all cars to be electric. We want no greenhouse gas emissions. We want um, complete equity and inclusion for everyone. We you know, we want everything and we want it now. And it may it may be useful in a future episode. We're coming we're coming to uh, way past the end of our time here, but um, it may be useful to have a future episode discussing the difference between liberalism and leftism, because I think we're running into problems with those definitions as we're having well, this conversation now. I don't now. think those words have definitions, or they have multiple definitions. Um, the word oh, they absolutely have multiple I, definitions that mean different. Things I am to different an eighteenth century liberal. Sure. So we, you know, you toss a label on me and say I'm a conservative. Well, no label completely encompasses what I am, but the, probably the closest one would be an 18th century liberal. Liberal. Our our political uh, our political descriptors that we use in everyday conversation don't do a very good job at encompassing what a person believes, um, because. Um, Especially in America and American political discourse, we've kind of treated it like it's a binary when it's really not. It's really not, and it does a lot of people a, a huge amount of disservice to try to frame it that but, way. But historically, it has worked. And the alternative, the multi party parliamentary system, you wind up with literal extremists, if not terrorists, in your parliament. And that is, that's not a good look. I mean, if you had a parliamentary system, a system of proportional representation, you would have Nazis in the parliament. You would have communists in the parliament. You would have jihadis in the parliament. You would have every extremist group in the world in the parliament. And, uh, and Europe, you know, Europeans have had that. I don't like it. And you don't think... I don't think that, it's, I don't uh, think the Nazis should get any representation. And we prevent that by having a two-party system. Uh, there's some, there's a, there's a whole conversation to be had about. Okay, that. so uh, let me reiterate. I want you to read that uh, Glenn Greenwald article about the attempted uh, censorship of Joe Rogan off of Spotify, keeping in mind sure. that Glenn Greenwald is as liberal as they get he has credentials this is a, he's gay he, i think he lives in brazil uh not that that's relevant um and he's left wing but he didn't move he didn't go with the rest of the leftists into authoritarianism and totalitarianism and censorship and whatever he still believes in freedom so uh that earns him my respect that is a person you could actually have a conversation with, as far as I can tell. Not that I've ever met him, but uh, I read his article. Fantastic. 
I'll give it a look. All right. A little later today. But in the meantime, this has been... Have you met John? He's my dad. I've been Matt, and that handsome devil over there that you can't see because this is a podcast. Has has been John. Um, oh. Mixed, our, mixed up my tenses. One there. other thing. In the article by Glenn Greenwald that I sent you, uh, he lists three uh, places. Let's see. It was for writing, Substack, for videos, Rumble, and for podcasts, and I can't remember the name of it. It starts with a C. But it was in his article saying these are places that actually respect free discussion. So you might want to look at that uh, that podcast location because that's a place that we probably wouldn't get banned. <laughs>